Amen. Amen. So over the next six weeks, we're going to just take three minutes in each of those services, and we're going to just lay out some of the background and scripture and those things just really briefly that kind of define those things. Of course, we'll be talking a lot more about those moving forward. You'll hear kind of come up. You'll hear that heartbeat. Final thing I would say about that is if you do go back and listen to the series that we did last year, right around this time, Vision and Values, um, the words won't be the same, right? There's been some refinement uh, that has gone on uh, in order to kind of just lay these out easily and simply, and so the words won't be the same, but you'll get the gist, the, the background, the meat of each of those, and so make sure to, uh, uh, to do that and, and just be uh, just praying that the Lord would use that and, and help kind of define some rails in your faith as well. Before we get started, there's a few things I need to mention this morning. Number one, uh, if as you were coming in, you noticed that we had a uh, Green County deputy uh, out in the lobby and the, in the car out on the parking lot. Uh, there's, there's no need to be uh, nervous about that unless you have outstanding warrants. In that case, you know how every now and then you, you see the little signs that say, um, that there's going to be a, 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 a drug enforcement check point, like four exits down the road. You know why they do that, right? Exit three before you get there, that's where they're waiting, so that everybody who gets off at that point, I'm not trying to help you navigate the system or anything, but that if you just happen to be getting off on the wrong exit, they're waiting for you. because. So, so you probably aren't in here if you have an outstanding warrant, but if you do, just so you're aware, they're not here for you. Um, the, the, the gist of it is there's really, there's not like, uh, there's a reason for it, like, like we, there, there was a, like a, something that's happened in the past or something we're expecting to happen, but just uh, really for four or five years, we've been kind of thinking about taking this step, and then uh, really about six months ago, we, we just got serious about uh, well, not got serious about. We started praying about God. Is, is this the right step for us? And in, in in as we're reaching out to our community and seeking to impact this world for for Christ, w- what sort of steps should we be taking in order, just as part of due diligence, to provide safety here at Praise Assembly? And so, as part of that, we've been experimenting really for the last six months. You've probably seen a deputy on occasion. Um, and so I just wanted to, to kind of, and I'll probably be mentioning this over the next month for those who didn't make it today, but it'll be back next week or the week after, that um, we're, for, for 2020 and, and moving forward, you can expect to see the Greene County Sheriff here uh, uh, regularly for, um, for the service. And, and that just has to do with, again, us just doing our best to make sure that we're providing a safe environment for you and for your family and for your kids and and so that's just a, an additional step as part of that. A couple things I want to mention. Number one, today our deputy is Deputy Weiss. Deputy Weiss, he will be here. There will be a few others who will kind of be here as well as part of that. Um, if you are one of those who likes making cookies and giving them to others, this would be an opportunity to bless our law enforcement community. So feel free to bring cookies uh, or, or Andy's gift cards or just something to just bless and to say thank you and, and just to, to welcome to Praise Assembly. We're so thankful for our law enforcement community, amen? And so we're thankful for them. We're thankful for them joining us and being a part of it. Also, if you have kids, this is a great opportunity for your kids to get comfortable around the law enforcement community. So, so I would encourage you, if you have kids, just to bring them up and, and introduce them and give them an opportunity to say thank you as well. Just, just kind of take that additional step. Use that as an opportunity to kind of uh, uh, have that interaction and create that interaction. And who knows? Someday Deputy Weiss might be the one who pulls you over. <laughs> and if you happen to have, well, no, never mind. I'm not saying that. I think that's frowned upon. Like, uh, okay, back up, okay, back up, back up, back up. So just, just mentioning that, and I'll mention that over the next month as well, but just expect that that's the case. There's, it's not even in, as a result of uh, recent things that have happened. It's just a step that we've been working on for a while, and it, it was the right time. So throughout the rest of the year, you're going to be seeing that, okay? Uh, I'm thankful for you this morning. A couple other things I need to mention. Uh, one is this Wednesday, the, the guy who is leading worship right here, 
Caleb Wagner is his name. Caleb Wagner is going to be with us. He is a part of praise, and when I say he's a part of praise, he's in praise. He's a member here at Praise Assembly. He serves in the maintenance team, worked his way through uh, Evangel University here on the maintenance, followed a similar path that I did here at Praise, and God has called him out into ministry. And so this year he will be uh, going to Egypt on a two-year term. And as part of that, this is all just God calling him by the power, presence of his Holy Spirit, calling him out, and uh, he's going to be stepping out. And we, I'm so, so, so excited about that, and I wanted to give him an opportunity to start off this year just by sharing. So make sure to be here Wednesday night, this room, 6.30 p.m. For, for Caleb Wagner. Final thing, final thing tonight, today, it will be tonight before I'm done, um, final thing today is about six months ago, I was sitting down and chatting with uh, Dr. Rob Kroll. Some of you know who Dr. Kroll is, um, and if you don't, he is the, the principal over at Hillcrest High School. And if you don't know this, God is moving in Hillcrest High School right now. Hillcrest is on the rise, okay? Like, I'm going to coin that term and sell it to him. On the rise, perfect, Hillcrest. Okay, anyways. But really, truly, God is moving in that school as a result of believers in the school and what God is doing through them in that school. Somebody told me once, until you get leadership change, you will not see change. Well, we saw leadership change there. Rob Kroll is uh, more than just being a good man. He is a believer. And in fact, he's the deacon at a church that is right near where I live. Good guy. And so I was sitting down with him and having coffee with him. I can barely call it coffee because it was at Panera, but we were having coffee-ish drinks, and um, my hot water slash coffee, I was drinking, and we were talking about how can Praise Assembly get involved in Hillcrest High School, and how can we join with what God is already doing there, which was probably the more important question, and uh, he said, if there was one thing that Praise Assembly could help move the needle on, it's this. Right now, Hillcrest is, in one area in particular, the bottom of the barrel in Springfield, and that is the four-year graduation rate. It's the lowest of any of the high schools in Springfield. That's going to change. That needle's going to move. I have no doubt about it. God is moving, and he's got people there at Hillcrest High School and some of our own people who are getting ready to start at Hillcrest High School, and he is, he is working there. Um, but it's a big problem. It's a big problem that it, it's one of those things that as you're looking at it, you're like, okay, God, how, how do you, where do you even begin? Um, just transparent, I have never been much of a fisherman. I'm just not. When I was four or five years old, my dad took me out fishing. And my grandpa lived right, grandparents lived right on Lake Michigan, and they walk out the back door onto the beach, and, and so one day he said, let's go fishing. So we get in my grandpa's boat, and we head out, and this was my first time fishing, at least as far as I can remember. So he showed me how to cast the line, and, and I was casting my line, and <laughs> I thought, that, that's not right. Pretty sure the rod is supposed to stay in my hand. I threw the fishing rod into the water, okay? Now, interpersonal dynamics in my family, this was my grandpa's fishing rod. My dad watches my grandpa's fishing rod go in the water, and he's like, I'm going in after it, okay? Like, he is, he is getting ready to dive in, and I, as a four-year-old, am thinking there are sharks in Lake Michigan <laughs> that will get him. That's not because I'm four years old. That's, that's just truth. Okay, there are sharks, and it might have only been four or five feet deep. I'm not entirely sure, but I freaked out. I'm bawling, and my dad's like, okay, I, I won't go in after it. He just went back. He explained, and, and like, I never wanted to go fishing again after that, okay? Moved to Springfield, Missouri. Joe Sardo says, hey, Ellen, I want to reverse this for you. We're going to turn this thing around. I said, okay, Joe, let's do it. March 1st, like 2001, 2002, I'm not entirely sure of the date, but somewhere in those first couple years after I'd moved to Springfield, he says, I'm going to take you out fishing, March 1st, first official day of spring, he goes, I got the place that you will want to go fishing from now on as a result of. He goes, it's this river, 
and, and it, it, it's where they release the fish, I guess. Like, they have a horn that goes off kind of thing. You can start fishing now, and then they release the fish. Like, this to me sounds a lot like when, um, never mind. Okay, so, so but they, I'm like, all right, I'll do that. I'll, I'll cast and catch, and it'll be great. So that horn goes off thing, at least this is how I remember it. I cast, I'm the first one to get something. Boom, hit right off the bat. Reel it in, I got me a fish. I'm feeling really good at this point. It wasn't just me and Joe, it was Joe, me, and a couple other people that, I don't even remember who they were, but it was Joe and me, and I remember us. Okay, so, so first one to catch, I'm the only one to catch all day. But, catch that one, and he goes, all right, good, that's great, Alan, and I'm feeling good about it. He goes, put it on the stringer. So he hands me this stringer that's got this long yellow cord to it, the stringer, and it's got a hook on the end. And he says, put that right through the, and I do it. I'm like feeling like a man. He goes, now put the fish back in the water so it can kind of stay fresh and alive. And then when you're ready to eat it, it'll be nice and fresh. And so I said, okay, absolutely did it. Go back to fishing. We don't catch anything for a while. And, and I'm, I'm like, man, that's all right, though. I got my fish. And I look down, and there's no fish. <laughs> and I said, Joe where's the fish? And he goes, well, where's the rock that you tied the other end of the stringer to? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> like, you're supposed to tie the other end of the stringer to something, apparently. I didn't know that particular piece of the information. And the fish swam off with the stringer downstream. And I look downstream, and there's guys all looking back at me, pointing and laughing. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it now. They all saw the fish swim by with my stringer attached. And somewhere down the line, somebody benefited, right? Like they could see the street. Hey, there's a fish coming. I'm going to cast right there. Somebody benefited from it. There's two things I learned that day. First, always tie off the stringer. Second thing is this. If you want to make a difference downstream, you start upstream right? And a lot of times there's a project or a problem that's huge right here. And you're like, how do I even dive into this thing? But if you move upstream and you apply precise effort instead, you can make a lasting difference that lasts for years and changes the thing down here. Did you know that first graders who are behind on reading are more likely, 88% will still be behind by the time they're in fourth grade. By the time they're in fourth grade, if they are unable or behind on reading, they are four times more likely to drop out of school. 85, 88%, 88% of those who are juveniles associated with the juvenile court system are functionally illiterate. And 65% of those who are in the prison system are illiterate. So I talked to Sharon Ellard last year, probably springtime. And I asked her to develop a, a tutoring program for first graders for our local elementary schools. So what could it look like if we took 30 minutes a week one day a week, and we went and intervened in a first grader who is just barely behind on their reading. Then in the fall, we had a pilot program where specific people here at Praise Assembly participated in this program and donated 30 minutes of their time in order to make a difference in a local school here as part of Reader to Reader.
when God decided how he was going to reveal himself to mankind, he chose the written word. Why why do you think that is? He could have done it any way. But the written word in particular is where we see him. And our goal is to help people to be able to access this. So, here's the situation. In two weeks, we're going to be doing a training for anybody who might be willing to be a part of Reader to Reader. Uh, January 19th, the, immediately after service on a Sunday morning, we'll have food and we'll do a training. What we're asking is, and this doesn't apply to everybody, a lot of people are during the school week just work or other reasons unavailable, but some people in here, many in here, it does apply perfectly to. You do have time during the week in order to participate with this specific ministry. What we're asking is 30 minutes a week, so one day a week, the day is flexible, there's different options, but 30 minutes a week for 10 weeks through this spring semester, that's 300 minutes, and that investment of 30 minutes a week, I believe, will make a massive change in somebody's life down here will change them for years. In fact, I believe it will be, in many instances, eternal difference is made. So I would ask that you would think about it and pray about it. Um, Go out to praise.fyi. You can see the information all out there. And anytime we mention praise.fyi, we definitely mean just on your smartphone, but obviously a big swath of those that this applies to or appeals to or have opportunity is those who are are retirees. Now, we, most of us, 98% of us have smartphones and can quickly do it, but many of us, I would say, need our grandson to be the one to, you know, show us how to do that. And so if that's the case, call that little desk out in the lobby that says praise.fyi. You're like surrogate grandson, okay? They'll walk you through how to do it and sign you up. In fact, Sharon Ellard will be out there today and for the next few weeks as, as you're thinking and praying about this, but truly pray about it respond because 30 we'll we'll handle the training we'll handle all of the resources uh that you need we give little uh uh, rewards for the kids uh even for this process we'll provide all of that the teachers will provide the books what we need you to provide is willingness and 30 minutes a week for 10 weeks 300 minutes total okay um so think about that pray about that and if you're ready to sign up right now feel free to do that right now praise.fyi Uh, this morning or stop out at the desk. Let me share really briefly about my personal experience. Uh, I participated in the pilot program, worked with a young boy who was in my son's uh, class, and the first day he was nervous. He was nervous about what is this going to look like, and then he realized that he could, if he read, if he worked through it, if he struggled, if he pushed himself, that he could get a little reward from it. And um, as a result, he, he buckled down, he did, and he progressed. And through the eight weeks that the pilot ran, I saw a difference in him. So much so that I would say, um, I'm going to participate again. Because I believe that the investment of my time was worth it. It will make a difference. And just as I participate again every week, when I drive up to the school for those minutes while I'm driving, and there and back, I've decided that I'm just going to take that time and pray for little Khalil and just pray that the Lord (laughs) makes a difference in his life. So join with us in that, if you would. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in that, okay? Cool. Uh, Today, as we're kicking off the new year, there's something that's been on my heart and really just stirring inside of me for a little while. And... uh, Earlier this week, the National Office released a a video from Doug Clay, the National um, Office, uh, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and he released kind of just some things that he would ask that the churches be praying for in 2020. If you're not expecting it, 2020 is going to be a divisive year nationally. I talked about this a few weeks back. He started this video kind of mentioning that this is going to be a divisive year. And so he said, this is what I would ask you to be praying for during this year. And number one was that the church as a whole would be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. And um, even as we're launching into all these things and we're talking about our values, one of our core purposes as a church is honoring the Holy Spirit. 
Um, and so as we're kicking off this year, uh, for multiple months now, I've just been really sensing that, for lack of a better term, that the first fruits of this year needed to be focused that direction, that our attention, that our focus, that our thoughts, that our approach to the beginning of this year needed to be honoring the Holy Spirit and to do a series focused that direction, pointing that direction. Now, you may not know this, though. At Praise Assembly, we have a wide range of religious backgrounds from those who grew up in church and those who did not. Those who grew up in, uh, with our people here who are former Catholics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, those who are Baptists, those who grew up in the Assemblies of God, those who grew up as, as uh, fundamental Pentecostals, and, and those who grew up as oneness, and those who grew up as Pentecostal holiness, and those who grew up as the Pentecostal, the national, I don't know. You know, like there's this wide, wide range of, of personal experiences with um, uh, what this looks like for us. And and, and what our previous experience is with it. And I don't know if you know this about the Holy Spirit in particular, but you should, that even last week I was talking about this idea as I was preaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That even as we read that verse, very clearly, like, there's a lot of consistency and agreement on what the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is, right? If you are a Bible-believing church, and, and across the board, this is a fundamental thing, and there's a lot of agreement then in what does it mean that Jesus Christ died for our sins, what does it mean that there is grace offered in Jesus Christ and the only way to the Father is through Jesus the Son? There's agreement there. And then you get to the Father and we read and find a lot of consistency about the love of God and understanding the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Like, that's something that people get across a wide spectrum that there's a lot of consistency on, and people are in a general agreement on many of that, on much of that, okay? But then you get to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and everything splinters, where there's a lot of consistency on, on, on the ministry and on the role and how Jesus interacts with us and the Father you get to the Holy Spirit, and you go all different kinds of directions. And I've been in a church before when a group of people who had gone through a confirmation class were, as part of their confirmation, were allowed to receive communion, and then the priest said, I now uh, uh, bestow upon you the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold Holy Spirit, because they had taken the classes, gone through the process, the priest then bestowed the Holy Spirit, they had the Holy Spirit. I've also been in a church where on the other end of the spectrum, there is no biblical guidelines and framework. And so if somebody gets goosebumps and start feeling a certain direction, has to be the Holy Spirit, whatever happens then, that's God. And so you have this spectrum, and people who have come from this spectrum of, of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works with us, and then you get into a church, and, you, and you're like, okay, so what do they think about the Holy Spirit? It's one of those things where it is kind of splintered, okay? And there are people in this church that I've talked to where one person, I was just chatting with this morning, was telling me about their experience in a church where when they were a child— they were put in a room to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and, and they couldn't leave. They blocked the door, said, you cannot get out, and that marked them, scarred them for years. And then they come to praise, and people are speaking in tongues and interpreting and prophesying, and that can make you nervous. I, there are people who are in this church or have been in this church, who um, uh, guests who have run out the door weeping, because there was a, 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 a tongue and interpretation. And based on their previous uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit, demons are in this church. And so legitimate, I'm not making this up. Since I have been the pastor, that has happened. 
Okay, so you have all of that consistency with the Father and the Son. You get to the Holy Spirit, and there's such a wide range of teaching that people are, are nervous about talking about it. And so as we're diving into this, and we're talking through the, the, for the first fruits of this year, I really just sense that this is something we need to lay a really biblical foundation for us. But there's an approach that I want to take today that is different than I've ever taken before, okay? And let me start by saying that I am a card-carrying member of the Assemblies of God, literally, okay? They send me a card that says, ordained AG. I haven't figured out what I'm supposed to do with the card yet, <laughs> but I've got one, okay? Like, I've tried using it when I get pulled over for gently exceeding the speed limit, <laughs> handing my driver's license and the insurance and my ordained minister card, still got a ticket. <laughs> or I'm up at the restaurant and the waiter comes with the bill and I open my wallet to pay and make sure they see that ordained. Same price, I don't get a discount. The other day though, when it was icy and I hadn't yet put my scraper in my car, I was able to use my ordained <laughs> minister card on my so that, that was nice. That was a benefit, okay? So, but I am a card, I have to be, because the person who gives them is in this church, okay? So I am a card-carrying member of the Assemblies of God, right? And I, I believe, okay? And every single year, I reaffirm my belief with a hearty amen in what the Assemblies of God teaches on this. And I don't do it in order to get the card. I do it because I am the type of believer that I am because of the way God has moved in my life and how I've seen him move in others' lives. So I don't do it to get the card. I do it because of the fact that I believe what I say. Truly believe it. With all of that said, though, in the past when I've preached on this, the way I've approached it was I would start with fundamental truth number seven, and fundamental truth number eight, and then prove those with Scripture. This time in particular, I do not feel like that's the approach I should take. Instead, there's a verse or two that have been running through my brain. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Galatians chapter 4, verse 30. Both of those instances, Paul asks a question or is talking about a deep thing, and he responds with this. What does the Scripture say? What does the scripture say? This time in particular, I just felt like the approach we needed to take was, let's see what scripture says. And it might take us a while, but as we look at what scripture has to say and let it speak to itself, we'll see where that takes us. Okay? So if you would, grab your scriptures today. Once you have them, open them up to the book of John chapter 14. Because in John chapter 14, Jesus lays out um, what he expects this to look like for us. John chapter 14. If you have one of the church Bibles, it'll be on page 901. You can also see it on praise.fyi. And Whoa, look at that. My bookmark today. What are the chances? It's my ordained minister's card from the Assemblies of God. How did that get in there? Boop. Bookmark also. Okay, so John chapter 14. Um, you can find it on praise.fyi along with an opportunity to take notes. All of the verses we're going to be reading through today were primarily going to be here though. John chapter 14 verse 8 is where we're going to begin. It begins with a question asked by one of the disciples just a genuine question from Philip. Here's what Philip has to ask the Lord. Here's what it says. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus sighed and face-palmed and responded, <sighs> Sorry, that's the amplified version. Back to the ESV. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, 
and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip's question is genuine, and Jesus at this point is a little flabbergasted that he's going back around this particular barn with the disciples. But what is important for us to see is that everything we're about to read is a result of Philip's question to Jesus. Would you please show us the Father? So now Jesus is going to explain what he means by, um, haven't you known me and seen me? Do you not know that if you see me, you've seen the Father? Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Okay, I've read this passage a lot, and already, if you haven't noticed, it starts getting a little tangled. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But now he says, two verses later, the Father is in me, And I am in the Father. The works that I'm doing, these miracles that you're seeing, that's really the works of the Father, the miracles of the Father that he is doing because he is in me. So he goes from, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, like we're one, to now, okay, he's actually in me and I'm actually in him. Okay, so it starts tangling a little bit. It starts turning back on itself. And you're going to notice that it's going to happen a lot more as Jesus continues to talk. Let me show you what I mean. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So the Father is in him, and he is in the Father, but he's about to go to the Father. Continuing on. Whatever you ask in my name, then, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He says, listen, it is so good that I'm about to leave you. And when I leave you, I'm going to go and be with the Father, the one who's you've seen because you've seen me, and I'm in him, and he's in me. Okay? So keep following as good as you can, but now he says, I'm leaving. And when I leave, all these works that I did because the Father was in me, now you're going to be able to do, and more so than that, because of the fact that the Father, I will be with the Father, and you can ask things in my name, and then when you ask, you will be able to, um, I'll do those things if you ask them in my name. The Father will do these works <laughs> through you. All right, keep reading. Verse 15. And if you love me, Wait, wait, actually, let's back up. One other thing I want to point out there. Go back to verse 12 here. Whoever believes in me will do these works. That's an important phrase. Whoever believes in me. Not 75%. Not 10%. Not the pastors. Who is he talking to? Whoever believes in me. Every time Jesus uses that phrase, he is talking about those who have accepted him as, his sa- as their Savior. He is talking about those who have received salvation. Right? It's almost the exact same phrase that's used in John 3.16. At some point, if we have time, I'll be able to get to the other times Jesus says, whoever believes in me. But if you just Google all the times, you'll find them, and you can read through them, and you'll notice remarkable consistency that he is talking about Um, those who uh, specifically have put their faith in him. Okay, verse 13. And not, not an elite group. Not the pastor group. Everybody. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is talking about you. This experience is yours. Whoever believes in me. 
Whatever you ask in his name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word helper can also be translated as advocate, can also be translated as counselor. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. So it's okay that I'm going away to be with the Father, because when I go away to be with the Father, the one who's in me, and I'm in him, and you've seen him, if you've seen me, is that I will send someone else. I'm going to send an advocate, a helper, a counselor to you, and he will be with you forever. What a promise that is. Not for a little while. He is with you forever. Everybody who believes He will be with you forever. Here's what it says, continuing on. Even the Spirit of truth, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So some people are going to look at this and they're going to say, that makes no sense at all. And that's exactly right. Why? Because they do not have the Holy Spirit. So they're going to look at this and they're going to say, nah, come on, they can't even see him. Why? But you will see him because you will have that helper, you will have that advocate, and so you'll see it. Continuing on, you'll see uh, Jesus, you'll know him, and he'll dwell in, or the Holy Spirit will dwell in you and will be with you. Verse 18 now, though. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Wait a second. Jesus, you just said you were leaving. You're going to go be with the Father. And that's good because then I'll be able to pray in your name and the Father will do whatever I need, right? But now he's saying, I'm going to come to you. Oh, he must be talking about the second coming. Well, keep reading. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. So, he's going away, but he's actually coming. He's in the Father, and the Father's in him, but we're actually all, they're all going to be in us. But it's actually going to be the Holy Spirit who's in us. Continue on. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So I will show myself to those who, who love me, okay, who are seeking me and searching after me and wanting me. Okay, now there's another question. Verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him. Not Iscariot. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How is it that you're going to show yourself to us, but to those around us, they won't see you? How does that make sense? How are we going to see you, but nobody else is going to see you? How is it that you're going to show yourself to us, but not to anybody else? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So now Jesus is leaving, but he's actually coming. He's going to be with the Father, but actually he and the Father are coming to live inside of us. They're going to come and live in us, dwell in us, is what the promise is. And as I read this passage over and over and over and over again, and how tangled it seems, because I've read this before and thought, okay, I think I know what Jesus is saying here, but boy, it just seems to turn back on itself, and he says one thing, but then he says something just a, a verse or two later that seems to contradict it. And you look at it, and it's all kinds of twisted back on itself. The only way this works is the Trinity. That Jesus says, I'm going, but the Holy Spirit's coming. And when he comes, actually, the Father and I will be coming too. Because even he says, the Father is the one who does these works inside of me. Okay? But if you look back at even the verse that we read just a few weeks ago in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says that the way Jesus does, the miracles he does, is by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Not the Father, it says the Holy Spirit. 
The only way that works is if the Holy Spirit is God. And even that passage that we read all the time at Christmas, great passage, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, where it says that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You have, in one verse that you quote every year at Christmas, you've got the son who is the counselor, who is the father. It's beautiful. It's rich. It's beyond our minds to comprehend or be able to think its way through. And so when Jesus is saying all of this stuff and he's saying, listen, when you see me, you see the Father. We're going to send to you the Holy Spirit. But when we send the Holy Spirit to you, guess what? The Father and the Son will actually be dwelling inside of you. What an incredible and beautiful and wonderful promise this is. And, And as I look at that and I think about that, This promise is to everyone who believes. Now, when you read this and you work your way through it, I am 83%—83% sure that this is talking only about salvation. I'm only 83% sure because it does kind of turn back on itself. And it might also be talking about that baptism in the Holy Spirit experience. But when you look at it, it's talking about to everyone who believes. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's revealing Jesus Christ to us. Not only is he revealing, manifesting Jesus so that we see him as beautiful and glorious and wonderful and above all, but he's also dwelling inside of us. The Father and the Son are dwelling inside of us all because of that one promise in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. So here's what I understand from this passage. This incredible promise to us is that if you even think that Jesus Christ is glorious, the only way that happens is the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot say Jesus Christ is Lord apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you are in here today, you are in here because of the working of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Guess what? You have the Holy Spirit already. Okay? Let's be clear on this. Sometimes we start in the wrong place and not understand where God wants to move us to because we don't know what he has already done. A few years back, Charles Crabtree, Brother Crabtree. If you don't know who that is, he is Mr. He actually wears his on his shirt. Like, clip. No, not really. I don't think he does. But he is Mr. Pentecost in the Assemblies of God, right? A few years back, he preached a sermon at the National Office, Assemblies of God. And the name of his sermon was to the emphasis of the greatest work of the Holy Spirit. Mr. Pentecost said the greatest work of the Holy Spirit in you is salvation. No doubt about it. So if you are in here, you are here because of the Holy Spirit. And I hear people say sometimes, you will know based on the liveliness of a congregation if the Holy Spirit is there. Or if the Holy Spirit is there, there will be life. Can I say to you, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, there is no congregation. 
apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you and I would not be here. In fact, we would not be breathing. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is at work. We are here because we see him and know him for who he is. He is glorious to us because of the Holy Spirit. This might seem like it's just dissecting and getting into dissecting theology, but this is such a vital place to start with. Because you cannot see, except for Jesus, in the eyes or through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot see Jesus as glorified. He cannot be magnified in your life. He cannot be manifest to you apart from the working of the Spirit. The Spirit is inside of you if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Period. Let's start there. And then let's say, He wants more for you. Even than that. But we must begin by recognizing that we have nothing apart from him. Shouldn't freak us out. Shouldn't scare us. It should make us tremble. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says that very thing. Because God is in us, we should tremble. And what a promise that is. God in us. Welcome to God in us. For the next weeks, we're going to just dive into this idea of what does that look like for us? What does it look like that the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus Christ And then what more does he want for us? Let's see where the scriptures take us. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? If you're in here and you don't see Jesus as glorious, maybe you come to church and Every time Alan gets up to preach, you lean back and cross your arms. Maybe you come to church and say, I don't believe all that. You don't understand. The world has changed. None of that makes any sense anymore. Let me tell you this. Do you want us to know why you do not yet see him as glorious? Because the Holy Spirit has not yet shown you Jesus' glory. Here's the good news. You would not be here if he hadn't have called you. You might have thought you came for the coffee. We didn't have coffee this morning. Joke's on you. (laughs) You might have come because you're here with a friend. Because your parents dragged you. Nope. You're here because the Holy Spirit said, come, come, come. So here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in that boat where you're, nah, that doesn't make sense anymore. You don't get it. This culture is so different than the culture you grew up in. Church is no longer relevant. (laughs) They've been saying that for thousands of years. (laughs) The Holy Spirit keeps moving. And generation after generation after generation has seen Jesus Christ as glorious because of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in here and you still just kind of lean back and cross your arms, Let me challenge you in this. I'll just ask you to do this because sat across the table from somebody and asked them to do this. Don't think about Alan in this. But ask God. Say, God, if you're real, 
found right. But if you're real, by your Holy Spirit, show yourself to me. Sat across the table from somebody, told them, I understand that you don't believe what I believe. Just, just take this step. Say, God, show yourself to me. See what happens. I got a call three days later. Alan, you'll never believe it. I was in my bedroom. And I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And I've never experienced anything like what happened next. That's the Holy Spirit, right? He makes him glorious. Oh, we can open the scriptures and we can read and read and read. And you can come and listen and I can preach and preach and preach. But it is the Holy Spirit who does this work. You cannot see Jesus for who he is apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. The incredible promise then is if you, with genuine faith, if you step out and say, God, not, not okay, God, do it. But truly, God, if you're real, I want to see you. I want to know you. Show Jesus to me. He'll do it. I've seen it. He'll do it. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it is better for you if I go away. Because if I do, I'll send that helper to you, that counselor. And he will manifest me to you. And when he's in you, not just him, but I will be as well, and the Father too. He's in me, I'm in him, and guess what? In the same way, we're all going to be in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. If you are in here, and the Holy Spirit has drawn you here, and already the Holy Spirit's working on you, Scripture is clear on this, that how we take the step of receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior is we put our faith in Him. We say, you are Lord. Above all, you are Lord. We believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you can be saved. So this morning, we're just going to declare Him as Lord here. And as we do that, if you're in here and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and calling you and say, take this step, Jesus is glorious. He is above all. You'll never, never, never see God apart from Jesus. See him right now. And if that's the case, today you can receive him as Lord. You cannot confess him as Lord of your life apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So right now, may he reveal him to you. And as a result... May you receive him. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the mind-blowing, mind-numbing picture who you are. You are the Father. You are the Son. You are the Holy Spirit. You are three, and, and yet you're one. God, I, I can't understand it. My mind is too finite. It's too small. And I cannot grasp that in its entirety, oh God. But Lord, I know that you, by your Holy Spirit, have revealed yourself to me. You started by calling. You said, Ellen, come to Jesus. Come. Come. See him. And that small act of faith in response to that resulted in me seeing him as above all. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit. So Father, right now, if you are by your Holy Spirit calling and drawing and speaking, continue that work. May we see Jesus Christ as holy and worthy and glorious today, above all today. And we do declare him by the power of the Holy Spirit, as Lord of our lives. You are Lord today.
Jesus, you are all, you're above all, and all that I have is yours, and, and you have given me what you have. It's mine by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for that. I, I put my faith fully in you today. I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead, Jesus, and even now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Oh, my faith is in you today. Hallelujah. And I do join with Doug Clay in just praying. May we be filled with your Holy Spirit today, oh God, we pray. Fill this church. Fill our hearts. Fill our families. Fill our houses. Fill our schools in the name of Jesus right now. Fill us again. Oh, Lord, we pray. We thank you for it. May this year be the year of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we ask. We ask it in the name of Jesus. You said, you said, you said. We ask anything in your name. You'll do it. May your Spirit come. Work in us today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We've got a prayer team that's here available to pray this view this morning. We want to pray with you not just during this time, but they've committed to pray all year long, or all week long. They'll pray for you for a week. So if you need prayer for anything this morning, they would love to pray with you. And if you're in here and you just for the very first time confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, I encourage you that in a moment when I dismiss, that as others head out the door, that instead of heading out, that you would step out and come down to the front. I'd like to pray with you and talk with you about the next steps. What has happened in your life is a miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit. So do not move on from it quickly. The Lord would do more in you yet. Amen? Amen. May this be this year of the Spirit in your life, I pray. May the first fruits of attention and study, effort and time, result in more fruits in your life in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. God bless you. Have a great day.